Hello listener, and welcome to the first episode of Storybox, a serialized fiction podcast. Welcome to your story. You pull your eyes open, blinking against a bright blue sky as the world slowly comes into focus. The tops of trees pierce the sky at the edges of your vision. You push yourself upward, and your hand sinks deep into a layer of powdered snow. You realize for the first time how stiff your fingers are with cold, and try to force them to curl into a fist despite their swollen size. As your vision clears, you realize you are sitting in the center of a huge clearing, bordered by a thick forest, dark green needles painted on a canvas of thick snow. Questions run through your brain all at once. How did I get here? How long have I been unconscious? Who am I? Where am I? The questions are pushed from your mind as you begin to shiver, replaced only by one thought. I need to get out of the cold. You stand, and you sink down to your knees in the snow. There's no footprints in the snow, not even your own. But apart from a small dusting of snowflakes on your back, your clothes are dry. A sharp wind whistles through the trees and you pull your jacket tighter around you as it pierces your skin. You let the wind push you forward, forcing your way through the deep snow until you reach the tree line. Thankfully, the snow is not as deep once you enter the forest canopy, and you pick up the pace, trying to follow a straight line through the trees. That's what they always tell you to do, right? Find a direction and follow it. Eventually, you'll find your way out. Of course, you could be in the center of the Canadian wilderness and making your way toward Antarctica. Or maybe you will emerge from the trees only to hit the ocean. Or maybe you'll find yourself in the path of a hungry cougar before night even falls. You shake your head, trying to chase the thoughts away. It doesn't matter. You can't just stay in the middle of the clearing. Any movement is better than standing still. Or maybe someone is looking for you and staying still would be better? The thought is enough to stop you in your tracks. You throw a glance over your shoulder, but the clearing has disappeared. Row after row of identical trees stare back at you, making your head swim. You decide to push on. You stumble over hidden rocks and low branches, forcing your way through the forest. The trees offer some cover from the wind but you still have to stuff your hands underneath your armpits to stop purple from spreading up your fingers. You don't know how much time has passed. Minutes and hours blur together in a haze before you find a small path cut through the woods. A deer path, you realize, and quickly change your direction to follow it. Your pace quickens without the forest reaching out to trip you every other step. The path slopes downward, winding through the trees until the thick trunks become thinner and the spaces between them farther apart. The sun warms your skin, and you turn your face toward it. It no longer sits in the middle of the sky, but is quickly heading for the horizon to disappear behind jagged mountains. Over the tops of the trees, dark clouds are taking over the blue sky. The wind has picked up strength, cutting through your clothes to your bones, You shiver, suddenly aware of how wet your socks are. You set forward again, but the light is fading, and you start to worry about the oncoming night. 
You see yellow eyes on the edges of your vision. Your head whips towards them. The forest is empty, but you still feel the weight of their stare. You quicken your pace. The feel of wolves' teeth on your heels. Cats' claws at your side. Torn flesh and blood-stained snow. The shadows' fingers brush their tips against your skin. You start to run, fueled by panic, hoping to find something, anything that will protect you from the night. You break from the trees at a sprint, and your feet slide on a patch of ice. You land hard. The air is forced from your lungs, and black spots your vision. When your vision refocuses, you see a cabin before you, its windows dark. You force yourself to your feet, groaning at the new bruises already forming across your back. You push through the snow to the cabin's door. No car sits out front, and you see no footprints in the snow. Still, you raise your hand and knock. Hello? Is anyone here? The cabin remains silent. You twist the door's handle, and the door cracks open. You step back, surprised by the ease of the movement, but then, who would worry about security in the middle of nowhere? You use a single finger to push the door open further, twisting your neck to peer inside the cabin. Hello? Nothing stirs. The fireplace is unlit, but the house feels warm compared to the frozen air outside. You want nothing more than to get out of the wet clothes chafing your skin and to rest your feet, but maybe you should wait for someone to come home. You don't want someone to find you stripped bare and inside their house. You glance over your shoulder. The forest remains silent. The shadows have grown longer. No blue peeks out from behind the thick clouds. While you are deciding what to do, the world flashes and the sky cracks with thunder. The storm overhead splits open and the snow begins to fall around you as lightning flashes again. The wind chases you with ice as you push inside the cabin and shut the door tight against its force. The small room is humble at best. A threadbare love seat sits alone before a brick fireplace, a neat stack of logs piled by its side. A small kitchen is nestled into a corner of the house, equipped with rows of cabinets and a gas stove top a single pan sitting on its burner. To the left are two doors. One is cracked open, and you can see the edge of a bed. You hold your breath as you inch toward the door and give it a gentle push. The hinges creak as it swings, revealing an empty room. You release your breath in a huff. The bedroom is as humble as the rest of the house. A bed lined with flannel sheets, a small dresser and nightstand are the only decorations. You move to the second door and open it with more confidence, finding a small bathroom with a sink, toilet, and bathtub. Ugh, you'd kill for a hot bath. You twist the knob, but no water comes from the tap. You groan. The pipes must be frozen. Finally convinced you're alone, you move back to the kitchen and open the cabinets at random. You find cans of beans and peaches and, miraculously, a can of chicken noodle soup. Your stomach turns with hunger, but you ignore it. You have to get warm first. 
The next drawer you open reveals a box of matches. Your fingers shake as you grab the box and hurry to the fireplace. Beside the stack of wood, you find a pile of old newspaper and quickly crumple a sheet and throw it into the hearth. You fumble with the match, striking it one, two, three times before it finally catches flame. The fire dances as you bring it to the paper and watch it ignite. You move as quickly as you can to feed the flame with logs until the fire burns with strength. You bring your hands close to the flame, sighing as the warmth leaches into your body, melting the ice around your bones until your nerves spark back to life. You kick off your shoes, stripping the wet socks from your feet and warming your soles. Heat slowly stretches into the corners of the cabin, and layer by layer you undress, placing your clothes by the fire to dry as you return to the stove and light the burner. You pour the can of soup into the pan and watch it boil. Outside, the war is still raging. Thunder and lightning duel for rain of the sky. The snow is so thick that you can't see the forest. A blanket of white covers the entire earth. You watch it, focused by the static, mesmerized by the void. You try to remember who you are. You try to remember where you came from. There is nothing but white. A loud pop brings you back to the cabin. You shut off the heat from your boiling soup and, after searching for a bowl and coming up empty, you eat directly from the pan, stooping over the stove to spoon it into your mouth. It burns your tongue, but you are too hungry to care. Heat pools inside your stomach and spreads to every pore of your body. The last of the ice is burned away as you finally feel warm. You turn back to the cabin, deciding what to do next. You'll obviously have to stay the night, and you doubt anyone will be coming through the storm outside. Your toes curl on the wood floor as you head back to the bedroom, wanting to dress in something other than your still wet clothes. You move to the dresser and pull open the first drawer to reveal rows of thick flannel, meticulously folded in sharp uniform lines. You lift one from the pile and pull it on buttoning the shirt up to your neck. Whoever owns these shirts is much broader than you are, and the shirt hangs low on your body. The next drawer reveals jeans in the same uniformed rows as the shirts, and the bottom hosts socks and underwear. A single pair of gray sweatpants sits tucked in the corner of the drawer, and you grab them. Their cotton is moth-eaten and scattered with holes but when you pull them on, their soft lining wraps you in comfort. You try not to think about how you're wearing a stranger's clothes as you scan the room, trying to find hints of who lived here. A hunter, maybe, or an outdoorsman who uses the cabin to disappear in the woods for a few days. There are no pictures, no decorations. A single book lies beside the bed, its pages yellowed from age. You pick it up, running your finger along its bound leather spine, the original folk and fairy tales by the Brothers Grimm. What an odd choice, 
you think. You would have expected something, well, different. Not a complete collection of children's stories. You set the book back on the table, then pull the thick comforter from the bed, wrapping it around yourself and heading back to the fire. You might be able to convince yourself to eat a stranger's food and wear their clothes, but you can't convince yourself to sleep in their bed. You are not yet Goldilocks. You wonder if the owner will still turn out to be a bear. You curl into a well-worn chair, tucking your feet beneath you and cocooning your body in a thick blanket. You watch the flames dance in the fireplace as your lids grow heavy and the storm continues to crash and scream and fill the world in white. Hello, I'd like to properly introduce myself. My name is Michaela, and I will be the narrator of your story. I did want to let you know that as the protagonist of this tale, you will have some control. More will become clear at the end of this episode, but I did want to point you towards some important social media. You will be able to find us on Twitter at StoryboxPod and on Facebook as Storybox Podcast. Those will both be important in order to get the best possible experience, so please go give those a follow. I also want to let you know that you can share your thoughts about today's episode by using the hashtag StoryboxPod. If you say nice things, your name might pop up in the story. Now, I think I pulled your attention away for enough time. Let's get back to your story. You awake in complete silence. The storm outside has quieted, and the fire has died to only a few red embers. You shiver at the new cold soaking through the wood from outside, and drag yourself up to rebuild the fire. Once the flames catch, you turn away and trudge toward the bedroom. Your movements are slow, heavy with sleep and exhaustion. You no longer care about sleeping in someone else's bed. The chair has grown hard, and your already sore muscles have grown cramped. The bed's soft mattress beckons like a siren song. As you drag yourself forward, your foot catches and you're thrown forward in two stumbling steps. But even that cannot shake the heaviness from your eyes. You press forward until finally, finally, you collapse into the bed and fade back to oblivion. The morning comes easier. Soft light filters through the windows. Heat still lingers in the air, but the floors are still cold when you finally convince yourself to leave the softness of the bed. You move to the window, pulling back the thin curtain to reveal a wall of snow. The snow now reaches to the window sill. 
There is no way you'll be able to leave today, but you don't really want to either. There is a bed here, and food, and fire. No one is going to be coming through the snow to surprise you anytime soon. You're sure of it. You find another can of soup and set it to boil as you rekindle the fire. You try to entertain yourself with the task, but there is only so much you can do in an empty cabin, and it isn't long before you decide to retrieve the book from the bedside table. You flip through the tales, both strange and familiar, until you find one titled The Hut in the Forest. You have never read this tale before, much more familiar with stories of girls named after Ash and two children who find a witch in the forest. The story begins with a girl in the woods who finds a cabin as night falls. The cabin is owned by an old man and he sits with his animals inside. He welcomes her company, and she prepares them food, but she pays no mind to the animal's hunger. When she sleeps, the old man opens a trap door in the floor and locks her in the cellar. Her sister comes the next day, and the cycle repeats. On the third morning, the youngest sister finds the cabin. Only this child loved the animals, and sought that their needs were met. In the middle of the night, the house transformed into a palace, and the old man became a young prince. While the youngest lived in riches, the sisters were made to be servants until they learned to be kind to animals. You look over your shoulder as the story ends, sure you feel the weight of eyes on your skin. You close the book quickly, setting it far away from you as if increasing the distance between you and it will force some of the dread from your body. For the first time, you realize just how isolated you are out here in the woods. No one would know if you died. No one would hear you call for help. The weight of being alone is suffocating. Your legs become restless and you stand up from the chair and begin to pace. You walk to the door and pull it open, revealing another wall of snow. You're stuck. Why does it matter? You don't have anywhere else to go anyway. You still can't remember how you ended up alone in that clearing. You don't remember anything about yourself. You decide to keep yourself busy. If you're going to be here for a while, and you will be here until the snow melts, you might as well make it a little bit more comfortable. You find an old broom leaning in a corner of the room and begin to sweep the floor, watching the layers of dust collect into neat piles. You are so focused by the chore that you almost trip on the corner of the rug, still upturned from the night before. You reach down, grabbing a hold of a corner and pulling the rug back to sweep under it. You take in a sharp breath as you look at the newly uncovered patch of ground. Instead of the smooth lines of wood you were expecting, a trap door is set in the floor. You stare at it, dumbfounded, before dropping to your knees and grasping a hold of the metal ring attached to the wood and give it a sharp tug. 
Its joints creak as it opens, revealing a deep underbelly to the cabin. A flight of stairs descends into the encompassing black. What the? You scramble to find a light to bring into the darkness, pulling open drawers at random and forgetting to close them as you move to the next. In a drawer at the bottom of the bed's nightstand, you find a single candle. You hurry back to the kitchen and use a match to light the white wax before turning back to the hole in the ground. You are about to step down the first step when the words of the fairy tale float back to you. An old man who traps girls beneath his floor. Looking down into the unknown, your next step feels more impossible than one you've ever taken. But you know you can't cover up the basement and pretend it doesn't exist. Curiosity and paranoia would tear your mind into a battlefield. Wax drips onto your hand, burning you before hardening into a new layer of skin. The pain propels you forward, and you take the step. The flame's light flickers against the wall, making shadows dance as you step down, down, down. You reach the bottom of the stairs and squint into the dark, unable to see anything beyond the candle's light. Until you realize you can't see anything because there is nothing to see. The walls are bare. The floor is empty. You begin to walk forward. Disappointment settles deep into your gut with each step. You were expecting there to be at least storage down here. Why would someone try to keep it hidden if it was empty? Perhaps it was purely an aesthetic choice. Though you don't know how much mind someone who only wears flannels and with threadbare furniture would have for aesthetics. As you near the end of the hallway, a flash of light reflects back to you. You blink, unsure of what you saw, and raise the candle higher. Another flash. You set forward faster. A table comes into view, a cup set at its center. The light catches on its gilded surface, casting golden light on your skin. Beside it lays an open book, words sketched into its pages in winding script. The goblet is drawn beside it, its figure unmistakable. You whisper the words as you read, Drink from the cup, and your eyes will be open. The difference between worlds no longer important. You will gain sight. You will gain power. You will gain strength. But you will lose. How much? Only fate will choose. Will you wager or will you falter? Drink from the cup and wonder no longer. You lift the cup a thick liquid splashes inside, staining the cup with black. You bring it to your nose, and a sharp metallic smell fills your nostrils. You cough, pulling it quickly away from you as your nose wrinkles with distaste. This is absurd, you realize all at once. A secret basement, a chalice full of strange liquid, promising you abilities 
at an immeasurable price. Still, you feel the goblet pull to you. Your mind keeps whispering, what if, what if, you raise the goblet again to your lips? This is the point where you must decide, do you drink from the cup or do you put it back down? A or B, a decision that can change the course of your story, the choice is yours. What do you do? What do you do? I really do hope that you have enjoyed this first episode of Storybox. As you can see, you have a decision to make. At the time this episode has gone live, a poll has been posted on both our Twitter and Facebook where you can make your decision. Just as a reminder, those are at Storybox Pod on Twitter and Storybox Podcast on Facebook. The polls will close in three days, at which point the decision will be made. You will see the outcome of your decision on our next episode, which will be uploaded in two weeks' time. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you again soon.